They shoot the shit. They shoot, they shoot the shit. Shoot, 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 shit, shit, shit. Shooting the shit with Chippa. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Shooting the Shit with Chippa. Um, this is a continuance of several types of episodes that have become a niche um, whenever I have my good friend Stefan on. Um, and so Stefan is back on tonight and we had a little poll with you guys about what we were going to call the segments when Stefan comes on and we talk about, you know, similar films or, um, films that should be pitted up against each other or just films that are interesting to talk about, um, because some sort of parallel either in our lives or just in the films themselves. So you have helped us choose and it was Stefan's original name for it. So kudos to you, good sir, for it, um, fighting films. So with that, I'm introducing... Fighting films. Um, Stefan, uh, do you, real quick, before I do my patron int- intro, want to do uh, any sort of additional words um, or thoughts on fighting films? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think this, you know, this is great. I want to see where this goes. Uh, this, this episode in particular was a recommendation from my roommate and one of my best friends, Jesse who you hopefully will have on as a guest um, oh, sometime wait. soon. Can't yeah, wait. She'll be, she's and, I, uh, and I, and I feel really bad and I'm glad that she's doing well. Cause I know that she's, you know, she's been yeah. through some, some rough stuff recently. So um, Jesse, if you're listening, thank you so much for this uh, idea. And I can't wait to be doing um, similar types of conversations with you soon. Um, all right. So before we introduce what films we're pitting against each other in the the fighting films octagon of insanity or whatever um, you, you want to picture in your head. Um, puzzle box of doom. You know, we can come up with many things. Um, I'd like to thank, as I always do, my $15 or more a month patrons. And now there are 20 of you. Holy crap. You are Mason, Christopher Finnick, Patricia Chipman, Hugh K. Campbell Jr., Alex Peregrine, Kevin CV, Mike the Gatherer, Tyler Freshcorn, Mark Price collaborating online, Alex Shaw, Seth Comfort, Seth Decker, Andrew Krauss, Little Nicky, Robert V. Aldrich, Aaron Moriarty, Carolyn Thompson, Scott R. Curie, and Shira Hansen Gusted. And to my newest patrons, Ralph Lund, Luke Donnelly, Tom Painter, Cassandra Ragucci, Carolyn Thompson, Brian Beshia, Patrick R. Young, Scott R. Curie, and Chris Charles. Thank you all so much. I do these shows as a hobby. I put the majority of them out there for free for all of you guys to listen to because I don't really like putting paywalls up on stuff. I do have a couple of shows that I put a ton of money and time into, so I do make those patron exclusives, but I'd rather have as few of those as possible and as many of these fun conversations for you guys just to listen to. And if you like it, throw me a little bit of extra cash. will just keep me having more free time to be able to make more awesome stuff for you. This show, as a lot of my shows, is brought to you by Skeeter Plays. My buddy Steve, one of my very best friends, has created a Let's Play channel over on YouTube. I'll be a guest on there soon, hopefully, if we can make everything work. Um, Please go over there and check it out. He's having a blast. If you like my kindness and sense of humor, you'll love Steve. He's an absolute blast. He's been on two episodes of Talkbuster. Um, So with that, Stefan... Uh, before I get into the first film, why don't you tell folks what we're talking about tonight on Halloween 2020? We're yep. recording this 
on Halloween. Uh, tonight, as I said, a request from uh, from my roommate and close friend Jesse. Uh, we are doing Hocus Pocus versus the Witches, two family films, uh, obviously with uh, the 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 base theme about uh, witches uh, is kind of what we're comparing. Uh, they were released in the early '90s, respectively, and yeah, and I, you know. We'll see which one comes out on top, if any. Oh, indeed. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know, um, before before we get into to both films in more detail, what was your, any, without, you know, really saying much, your first exposure to both of these? I remember The Witches was, because it was PG. Both of these movies are PG. Um, the Witches, I don't think, would get a PG if it was released today. No, um, no, and we're uh, we're gonna talk about that. But uh, <laughs> but but the witches, you know, I was in I was in parochial school, and you know, which is Catholic school, and they they loved Roald Dahl for some reason, even though his movies and books are horrifying, um, to say yes. the least, especially in how they treat kids. Um, yes. But um, this one, I remember the witches being one that they would show all the time. And it's like you mentioned you that know, on the on the um cine, yeah. the cinespection, yeah. is that what it's called? And I just wanted to say that that my first exposure was you know whenever whatever it was ninety one ninety two I forget what mm-hmm. year nineteen ninety so I was in, yeah. I was in first grade and they were showing us this damn movie like I don't think they paid attention you know what I mean and again I'm I'm glad for it, it it's you know we'll get into it I, I have very fond memories but um and then Hocus Pocus was ninety three and you know. I'm a New England kid, uh, so a movie that's supposed to take place around here, you know, we all kind of, we got bussed to the damn theater to see this damn movie. But what, what was your exposure to both, like, for your first yeah. time? Um, I first saw, I think I saw, I saw them both probably around the same time. Right. Um, the Witches I saw with my sister we were at our godmother's house. She is the one that, um, when I mentioned that really creepy uh, haunted barn house yes. that we went to when I was kids with my mom, the guy in the electric chair. Yeah. Which, by the way, is in a, uh, I don't know if you've heard, you know, coming from, you know, being by Salem, there's Anoka, Minnesota, which is unofficially called the Halloween capital of the world. Oh, yeah. I think no, it's, I've, official, I've heard that, it's not unofficial. I've yeah. heard that mentioned on a ton of documentaries, actually. Yeah, yeah. It's also known for the Anoka Hennepin School District, which was the subject of a lawsuit in 2011 regarding um, uh, anti-bullying policies. I that remember were that as well. Yeah, you remember that? Yep, there. That's also their unfortunate claim to fame. <laughs> yeah, and the sixth congressional district, Michelle Bachman. If you've ever heard of her, uh-huh. that bitch is not politics, but whatever. Yeah, talk about oh. witches. <laughs> talk oh, about real witches. Perfect. Yeah, I perfect. Um, yeah um so yeah and she my my godmother lived in anoka at the time and i think it might have been the same trip where we went on this on just go to that haunted house it was around halloween and she rented uh the witches my sister and my, so my sister and i watched i think we rented that along with double double toil and trouble with the olsen nice. twins remember i that remember movie? that oh yeah yeah great great movie um yeah very very different i mean witches but you know that's all that's where they end um yeah so that was the first time i watched it and then hocus pocus i know i did not see it in theaters i mean it was released in july which you know what the hell why would you do that 
for a Halloween movie. Right. Um, and I, uh, I first saw it. I'm pretty sure we rented it. It was my sister and I, along with one of our babysitters. Uh, yeah, that like it would have been around yeah 94 when it when it was released on video, and we watched it then. And it really, um, do you want me to get into how you know what I thought about them initially? No, or no, well, because well, because like yeah, and that's you know I felt. I did it a little clunky there, but I thought, you know, since since these movies are so close together and are in our lifetime, and I wanted to mention, you know, The Witches is being remade or has been remade. Yeah. I haven't seen it yet. Um, I think if you had told me in 1996 that Robert Zemeckis was remaking The Witches, I'd be a lot more excited about it than hearing about it now. Um, mm-hmm. But again, that, you know, it, it could be great. It has a great cast. Mm-hmm. Um and Hocus Pocus has a sequel being made. So it's, yeah. it's you know, it, it's it'll, it's clever that we're talking about the originals and not, you know, the haunting in the House on Haunted Hill being remakes um, like we, you know, were on our last one. So it'll be interesting to, right. I think, redo this film fight or um, fighting films uh, for the remake of The Witches and for Hocus Pocus 2, just for comparison, I think it'll be fun. Yeah. Um, you know, just as a revisit, maybe we'll, but, um, yeah, so I, I guess, uh, with that, you know, we know our initial exposure to it. So I'll, I'll jump right into Hocus Pocus then. All right. So Hocus Pocus, it's an interesting beast. Cause, um, uh, you know, before getting into, you know, you know what I thought of it and you know, what about it is, you know, when you, when the movie is made or in your area, and again, this was made after the witches, so we'll get into with the witches and you talk about how that movie kind of did so much for establishing and ingraining the lore, you know, of like what is established, you know, things before that, you know, you had your Hansel and Gretel and your things like this, but you know, that movie really established a definitive lore that kind of stuck with film and Hocus Pocus kind of continued on, on, on that lore, but Hocus Pocus being a, a local film, um, I'm in Lynn, Salem is right up the street. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we knew about it. We knew it was being made, you know, Disney or yeah, I think it, it, it Disney has their name all over it now. But I think at the time it was a touchstone movie, kind of like Nightmare Before Christmas before they were, right. you know, willing to put their name on something that was a little bit more <clears throat> edgy, I guess you'd put it. But I mean, they have a hell of a cast. You know, B- Bette Midler is this movie could be complete, total, unadulterated garbage. And it would still be great because Bette Midler is having so much goddamn fun chewing the scenery. Oh, um, every everybody had yeah. You, you can tell, you can tell like everybody just had a blast making this movie. Exactly. About it. Yeah. It, it, exactly, and that comes through. This movie is fun with a capital F. There is some super dated things and some odd, strange. I won't even call them adult jokes. Just outright terribly wrong jokes that show up in this movie that I'm going to get into in a minute that blow my mind about it every time I watch it. But, um, you know, we, I was thinking it really, it doesn't feel, you know, quite as dated as I thought it would. No, I it does not. While watching it. There's one joke maybe where it does. We'll see. And, if... and the effects work is actually pretty damn good. Um, mm-hmm. especially for the time period, you know, they do a lot of cool practical stuff. The cat puppet is actually really good. And, mm-hmm. um, what's his name? Uh, I don't know if you knew this, but this is the film debut of Doug Jones, um, yes. who plays Billy Butcherson, the, mm-hmm. um, which is 
messed up. His story is, you know, it was the boyfriend of one of the witches who was cheating with the other witch. So she yeah. she killed him and sewed his mouth shut. <laughs> like, it's a little bit it's like, like insane. Going into like, strange land territory. A, <laughs> it's a terrifying little zombie character for a kid's yeah. name. Like the cars. And again, it's all played very light. And I think that's one of the key differences when we get into the other movie we're comparing this to is this movie has a few biting things like the idea of the witches are still killing kids in this. They're taking their essence. So they're kind of dark crystalling mm-hmm. it, you know, so they can, so they can stay young. But that sequence at the beginning, which is a combination of being filmed at Pioneer Village, which is a, like, um, you know, olden times village in Salem, where you can go and they tell ghost stories and stuff there, and Pilgrim, uh, Plymouth Plantation, the Pilgrim's Place, that cool, awesome, sweeping overhead shot over the ocean with um, the drawn-on witch on the broomstick, um, Sarah Jessica Parker, who comes and lands and leads off the kids to their cabin. That's some outright mm. dark shit. Like you edit the movie a little differently and you take the taking essence away and turn it into cut open and drink their blood. And you have the witch, you know what I mean? The movie's yeah. not very far away from being Robert Eggers crazy bug nuts. And you, you mean, movie. you mean as, as people, as people who don't like it, as people that don't like the witch, call it the, the bitch, the, the bitch. Yes. Oh my no, God. I, it's like, do, Jesse, Jesse, I love you. I love you. And my friend Brian, love you both. But just, uh, it's like, just learn, learn old English. It's not God, the I, bitch. God, it's I, the God, witch. I love just, that movie. But that's, yeah, that's I, I do too. It, I will say that that movie did, um, it, it, for a 90 minute movie, it felt long. It would have dragged yes. if it would have been any longer. It was not a traditional horror movie. And that's no. why a lot of people didn't like it. What I what I thought was really clever, as as a funny aside, because I'd like to talk about that movie in a lot greater detail mm-hmm. on a different show, is Robert Eggers, who wrote the script, used the old English in a way that the movie felt like you were watching something that was almost in an alien language. And yes. I like that because it alienates every audience. It doesn't matter who you are. It makes you feel like you're somewhere you shouldn't be. And I love that about that movie. Um, and you know, it, it really plays into the strength uh, Kenny Ortega, um, directed Hocus Pocus and Kenny Ortega is an interesting guy. He, he's touched everything. Um, he's, he's mm-hmm. a Disney guy through and through. He comes from Broadway and music videos. He actually is the guy who was producing and putting together Michael Jackson's final big tour yep. who ended up making that movie. Um, that I actually love, he, despite how complicated and and messed up Michael Jackson was and how abused and tortured. And that thing was just a fascinating piece oh, of, yeah. Of, yeah, for sure. of, of cinema. And just, I mean, it, it's, it's wonderful when you can see someone that's looked at as so strange as the artist that they are and kind of go, mm-hmm. damn, like this guy was actually really freaking talented despite everything else going on but you know ortega also was one of the driving forces one of the directors who worked on glee you know what i mean this this guy he's not a horror movie director by any stretch but he can do big bombastic set pieces and this movie Mm -hmm. has them in droves and my favorite parts of hocus pocus are the parts back in time because 
Midler and Sarah Jessica Parker and Kathy and Jimmy are actually quite horrifying when we meet them the first time as those mm-hmm. three witches. And I think it makes the movie play a lot better than when they kind of get, um, you know, masters of the universe thrown into nowadays. They're allowed to kind of be silly, but they're silly because they don't fit in, not because they're any less dangerous. And, right. and, and I think that's really cool. Um, because, you know, as a young kid, you know, at what 1993, I was nine years old. The comedy of this was not necessarily what I was watching the movie for. I liked, you know, horror movies I wasn't supposed to see. So Hocus Mm -hmm. Pocus was like horror movie light. You know what I mean? And so I was kind of into like the, okay, no, this, these kids are actually in danger. Now, um, of course the whole cast, I mean, you've got, uh, you've got, what's his name? Um, uh, his little cameo is the, the guy they think is the devil who just Gary Marshall. Yeah. He's so freaking good. Gary Marshall and Penny Marshall playing husband and wife. Yes. It's creepy, but like, but it's so funny. And why did they do that in more movies? I don't know if they did, but I don't think they did. No. And it's, it's so goddamn funny and it's entirely a wink to the audience. They kind of go, isn't this funny that we're doing this? Um, but, but that, that's where it gets into kind of like the, I don't know what was going on in this time period, but there was some really weird ass like 10 year span where kids movies were getting tons of pedo jokes put into them. And, and I yeah. don't know. And, and I don't know if it was just the like writers, like being tongue in cheek about, you know, Hey, look at how edgy we are. But there's one in particular in this movie. And I don't know if you catch it, but I catch it every time I watch it. That just, it makes me like do a spit take. Cause it's so wrong. When they're going to get on the bus, which I'll remind audiences listening to this that aren't from around here, there are no city buses that look like that in Salem. I was going to say that, or that run that late. Or that run that late. Uh, Salem is not New York City. Now, now, to be fair, a lot of the exterior portions of this film are shot in Salem. But they're also shot in Marblehead and Danvers and Middleton. Now, to be fair... Uh, 300 years ago, most of those towns were Salem. <laughs> they, they got split up. But the difference being a film like Hubie Halloween has way more scenes shot in actual Salem than Hocus Pocus mm-hmm. does. And yet they still film the majority of the movie in Marblehead. Now, did you the, see, did you see uh, Hubie Halloween? Yeah, I love it. It was a blast. I, I, I really liked it too. I'm always, uh, I'm always iffy with Adam Sandler stuff today, but I really liked it. Yeah, no, no. And it's, it, it, I can't talk about Hocus Pocus without mentioning it because it's cut from the same cloth. It just has a lot of heart. You know what I mean? And it, and it, it, it it's one of those things. It's the best. It's when Adam Sandler is at his best, he's playing a character that when you, when you look at the character and like in the trailers, I was like, shit, it's another one of those freaking guys with the funny voice. Then Adam Sandler does, and I'm going to hate them. And then I watched the movie, and I went, oh, no, I actually like this guy. Mm-hmm. Like, good job, Sandler. Like, you, you actually are empathetic towards this guy. Like, I like yeah. this. And um, he, he was definitely 100% all in with that movie. That was not a paycheck collecting gig. Like, he was, he was definitely all in on whatever was going on there. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, the same can be said about Hocus Pocus. Everyone was all in, but I know Salemites, like I have a couple of friends, the, the folks that do cinema inspection there, have a hard time with Hocus Pocus because it's become so ingrained in the city's Halloween celebration 
And they mm-hmm. go, but there's actual films that were filmed here for the most part you could be celebrating. Also ones that don't so lightly play around with the witch thing, which right. also is, you know, they do kind of lightly do. And these were not the kind of witches that were in Salem. That's that's the other, you know, the, the, the witches that were in Salem were, you know, misunderstood teenage girls who the patriarchy didn't like. So they had them killed. Like, well, that yeah, was and were, were there were there any real witches? That's yeah. Yes. But so, so these three walking around, you know, in like Victorian period garb, like hanging out in a, uh, um, you know, in a cabin in the middle of the woods, cooking up kids and making bread out of them is not the type of witches that were in Salem. So that one's a little silly, but, um, it's, it's still awesome. But this joke, so they get on this bus and they say to the bus driver, he's like, where can I take you? And he's like flirting with them. Where can I take you? Fine ladies. What can I do? What are your desires? We desire children she says to him mm-hmm. and he goes well it might take me a couple tries but i'll see what i can do and that mm. is so blatantly horrifyingly sexual and not good yeah. <laughs> you know what i mean and it just it always blows my mind that that line stayed in the fucking movie now bet midler 100 percent gets what's going on there and she's just having fun with it but but i don't know if like everybody involved was kind of like oh yeah that joke's fine yeah, I mean, you know, it was probably, I mean, we all know, you know, from Corey Haim and company yeah. with kind of what was going around Hollywood at yeah. that time. So I was going to say that's probably why, you know, that jokes like that were about to come in. And this is and this is around the time. I mean, wasn't it around this time, too, when the Catholic Church, when that was finally becoming coming uh-huh. out from under the rug? Yeah. Uh-huh. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, as, as sick as that is, you know. That was always the joke. Even when you're like in second grade, the like schoolyard joke was that, you know, don't be alone with the priests. Mm -hmm. And it's like, uh, like, how is it that an eight year old kid knows that joke? You know, like, it's just not right. Uh, But hey, you know, whatever. So so, so back to Hocus Pocus. So like you said, the, the set pieces are wonderful. But my biggest problem with Hocus Pocus is that most of it doesn't look off authentically Salem like the school and places that they go to are not Salem's high school and the big cool cemetery set piece there is a big cool cemetery like that in Salem the one that they film at is not what it looks like so it kind of always took me out of the movie um which is not to say it makes it a bad movie it just it like Hubie does a much better job at making Marblehead look like Salem the other funny thing about Salem that that hocus pocus and things have a problem with is they want salem to look like an old victorian new england town salem burnt down in the late 1800s early Mm. 1900s so the majority of where like salem would look like that has been replaced with like really cheap early 1900s like um uh efficiency housing so you can't just like take a sweeping camera shot through salem any more than like a couple of streets that have the cool old buildings on them. And so they do some bits in Hocus Pocus in those areas, but the suburban areas they wanted to look like new England and Salem, Salem's weird. It's more eclectic and strange, um, than, uh, than movies have a tendency to show it off as, um, and 
So, and you know, a lot of the big historic areas, like they, they did determine that the witches actually were hung in Salem. They thought it was in Danvers for a period of time, which is mm. the next town over where the Rebecca nurse homestead is, which they film a lot of the older scenes in this movie at as well. Um, but, you know, back to the cast, this is an all-timer for Bette Midler. I mean, Bette Midler is the – to see – to think that – this is like what happened with, you know, like um, Robin Williams. Like when you think mm-hmm. of Bette Midler, this is the first movie that comes to mind for an entire generation of people. Oh, yeah. Imagine if that generation of people went and found Bette Midler's old bathhouse comedy specials. Mm-hmm. Uh-oh. <laughs> Do you, you know what I mean? Because yeah. they were hilarious, but they were not clean no. by any stretch. Um, you know, same thing. Sarah Jessica Parker. This is, you know, I love her in a lot of stuff. This is my favorite role she's ever been in because she's so bubbly and yeah, cool. the practice. She, she's not. She's not. Timing are just amazing in this movie. She is not taking herself so seriously and is fine with not being so put i mean she was you know the sexy witch but she was still not you know as put together as you know you know carrie bradshaw exactly and then and then yeah. you have kathy to jimmy she was batting a thousand from like 1988 to like 1997 where she was just hitting home runs every time yeah. she showed up in movies yeah. she was hilarious there was this one sister act right around the mm-hmm. same time that she was just incredible in both of those Right. And, and, you know, the comic tour de force, like with someone like Bette Midler, you expect her to just steal the whole movie away. And the three of them just play off each other so freaking mm-hmm. well. And then the kids, the, the kids, again, were not as annoying as children. And God, this movie had freaking Thora Birch in it. I always forget that <laughs> until I go and watch it. Yeah, I know. Thora Birch she, was like, she, what, like seven in this? Yeah. It's always bummed me out that she never had like a bigger career than she should have. Yeah, that's it, it's it's wild. Um because of her he, creepy father that was her agent that like ruined things, yeah, basically. Yes, no, it's it's crazy. Mm-hmm. Um it it's just it's always been one of those movies that kind of like when you're born around here, it's kind of mm-hmm. just expected that you love hocus pocus. And I was wondering is this movie is popular in the rest of the country uh oh yeah yeah i mean um good yes uh yeah i'm one of the people who um so i i saw it like i said i saw it when it was first out on video and i never really it never left a big impression on me and it wasn't it wasn't really until the 2000s where it really you know achieved cult status when it was it was re-aired on tv so much it around Halloween, into, it oddly falls into a hook category, I think, with a lot of people. Where it's like it's something that if you were at the exact right age for, you love yeah, it. Yeah, and true. then if it's not, you know of it, but you kind of go, "It didn't really do anything for me." And then you either refind it and love it, or you refind it and go, "Yeah, I know that still doesn't do anything for me." Yeah, <laughs> there's, I've, there's... I've, I've refound it. You know, I've seen it more in the last couple of years than I ever have. And I, I like, I, I like it. I want to, um, uh, so the, the burlesque theater that Jesse and I used to work at put on like a, like a parody version of Hocus Pocus. It's kind of like, awesome. You know, it's burlesque. So it's kind of sexualized, um, there, it, it, 
I think there was a free video of it online, or there was. I'll send it to you. If oh, I can that'd find be hilarious. It. It's, it's, it's so that, funny. It, they, that would be a blast. And they reference like Anoka a lot, you know, because Anoka being the Halloween capital of the country or world. So it takes place there, you know, kind of, you know, appropriately. If you had to do any place other than Salem, do it in Anoka. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's the impression I have is that, yeah, among our generation, it's really huge. And actually, I just listened before this uh, to the this week's Diva Dailies. Uh, thank you, Steffi, you know, for all this information beforehand uh you know about the there was an interview with kathy najimi and she was saying how you know it's one of those movies that people our age are now showing to their children yes you know and they're loving it like tonight like vincent had never seen it and he saw it for the first time and he liked it yeah it's it, it's very fast that's the other cool yes. thing about it the editing yeah. is very good and it's got music and it's got like in the nineties just had this wonderful way. This was a very nineties type of kids yes. family horror movie. This absolutely this Casper, Edward Scissorhands, the Adams family, those mm-hmm. movies, they all follow the same kind of structure and yeah. the same type of humor and the same type of there's something a little bit unsafe about this. Like, the, and that's what I liked about the opening with the witches. You, the movie, like, like, you know, kind of sets you up a really serious movie that these characters are only not serious anymore because they're stuck into a time period that they don't fit in. Mm-hmm. So, because when we meet those witches at the beginning, they're like, they're getting ready to kill a little kid. They've got a goddamn Necronomicon with a freaking like that, that's sewn together out of human flesh. Like that, they're it's right. like this is this movie is not screwing around. Like mm-hmm. for 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 being a kid for being a Disney produced kids movie. <laughs> and I, I can't I I can't wait to see more of it. I I, I hope I hope they do good by it because, um, like you said, a whole new generation is finding it. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I mean, it's, it's still, yeah. Like, you know, it's has such a following, you know, like the, um, the reading that the cast just did yes. with, um, with, uh, that they did for, you know, with, uh, f- fundraiser or whatever. And, um, yeah. And I mean, I mean, Bette Midler considers it like her favorite role or among her favorite roles. And I mean, you know, Bette Midler, you know, would like really, I mean, just, you know, like with everything she's done, yeah, it, it it's iconic. It's amazingly iconic, and it yeah that that it, shows. It, and it's such a small thing, you know that that that's what's really crazy is this movie, you know, and that's not to take away anything from it, but you know the movie it's much more like a TV miniseries feeling kind of movie. Mm-hmm. Than, not that it looks bad. It's just more the way it's structured. The stakes are kind of at the end of the day, kind of low and silly. You know what I mean? Even though they set up, you know, this real dark, you know, thing. But, you know, I guess one of my biggest negatives to it, and I still love the movie to death, you know, I own it, is that Mm -hmm. nothing in it feels authentically New England. And that that bothers me because the the movie is so loved by people around here, but the movie could... And again... This is not necessarily a negative thing. It's just the way the movie was produced. You know, you can film a movie in the Pacific Northwest and make it look like it was filmed, 
you know, in Maine and say it takes place in Maine and not really care. You know, this movie, though, is filmed all local. It's supposed to take place around here. And nothing in the setup shots and the things that the characters do feels New England. You know, they don't have like a character with like a bad Ben Affleck accent, you know, like they would now, you know, or something. Well, the, the, the bus driver had like right. more of a New York accent. Right. Yeah. And so it's, it's all very silly and strange and kind of Broadway-ish more than it mm-hmm. is. And that, and that I didn't, I didn't find that as much of a bother until watching something like Hubie Halloween, which spends a lot of time making sure you know that it's authentically local. Like the fact oh, that the yeah. mother, the oh, fact that the mother that. makes him a fluff nutter. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I know people two two states away that don't know what marshmallow fluff is. I can see the place. I, marshmallow I, I, I know fluff that. Is I know that. From my as, house. You know, I, I know that. I know what a fluffer nutter is thanks to my mom. She was from New York City though. Oh, no, hey, no yeah. that 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 makes sense because mm-hmm. the, the, it, it's just it's wild cuz when I grew up that was like, you know, the most common thing you'd find in someone's pantry. So when I was watching Hubie Halloween and I'm like, it, this is so damn authentic. She pulled out the fluff. And it like it just right. it felt it felt like the people making it wanted to make sure you knew mm-hmm. where it was taking place. His, and, and his, his, his mom, his mom in that movie was such a hoot. <laughs> she really was. And I, I and love t-shirts. I, oh, the t-shirts. Are, the, movie's, oh, the movie's so new that I don't want to necessarily blow where no. it goes, but I, but I love the mom so much. And I love her complacent way of when they, they kind of reveal what's going on with the mom. And she's like, yeah. And, and you're just kind of yeah, like, right. what? <laughs> <laughs> like, she's the best character. She's so right. wonderful. But um, so so I guess you know, Hocus Pocus is it's it's light, it's fluffy, it's silly, it has incredible performances, and it's probably at the top of the heap of films like it from the nineties. Mm-hmm. I and and I'm saying films like it as a segue into the witches because leaving out the fact that there are children in the witches. I don't necessarily uh, think the witches is, is anything but a fucking horror movie, <laughs> and that's yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. my segue for you, sir. <laughs> yes, um, thank you for that. Uh, yeah, so so the witches, um, like I said, released nineteen ninety, and uh, <laughs> uh, this movie has, I believe, almost no right to be called. A family film. This movie is goddamn scarring. This movie it is, yeah. As as a horror fan, as a you know, a lifelong diehard horror fan, it is still one of the scariest, most disturbing things I've ever seen. Um, in so many ways. So, uh, this movie. So my sister does not like a lot of horror movies. She, uh so we watched this movie so she she gets scared to watch the treehouse of horror episodes yeah me me too actually the early ones because and again it's because i watched them at such a young age that um the first like five i'd say still i because especially like the the bad dream house the die die everybody die thing with like that shit that shit gave me nightmares. 
Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But anyway, yeah. So I, the the trios of horror are great. I'm oh just yeah, gonna, I'm just no, gonna throw still, that one out there. <laughs> but, yeah, but, looking forward to uh, tomorrow's. Yeah, me too. A new one. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah, and uh, so this movie, my sister watched it. Okay. Um, and when you mentioned you know, this movie, you know, the movie being, um, you know, the, the pocus pocus not feeling authentically New England, the witches feel so European. And you allude yes. to that on the on the, cin- the cinemascape or cinemascope or whatever that Cinemaspection. podcast. Cinemaspection, yep. yeah. The you allude to that on that episode, how European this movie feels, and it really does. But you know, it, it's has kind of a, an appeal that way, but you know, to not alienate, you know, American audiences, not like every movie has to appeal to Americans, but you know, a lot of people here feel like it should, unfortunately. And, and I actually find that that is a um a through line through Roald Dahl adaptations is mm-hmm. they, they seem to be very careful about making, cause, cause Roald Dahl's books are terrifying every single one of them, <laughs> but they're yeah. also, they're also like ingrained in American children's reading for elementary school. And there, some of the British stuff is very hard to interpret for a kid and I love the way that the Roald Dahl adaptation movies still keep that authenticity of, you know, we're, we're sure that a child watching this is going to understand what this kid is going through, where we don't necessarily have to explain the differences in the way his school and his, you know, um, interactions with adults and everything are just a little bit different than they are in America. And for a kid, they're not going to care about that. You know what I mean? Like, do, do we really have a type of event or thing like what's happening in the witches to compare with young children in the nineties in America? There's not too many kids showing up at a hotel or like a ball or something like that, you know, but, but for a kid, it doesn't matter because it's like, yeah, evil people, evil things, kid needs to escape. That's all I need to know, (laughs) you know, but sorry, go, go ahead. Well, yeah. So, um, uh, the, my sister was pretty much done. I mean, we watched, we watched all of it, but she was, she was done to the point where, you know, the trauma had been set already. The, um, uh, when, when Luke's grandma, you know, talks about like her childhood with her, her friend. Yeah. Okay. So my, my sister, my sister's name is Erica. And oh, she looked no. just like she looked just like that little girl in that in that scene. And okay, that that whole that whole flashback scene could have been a movie in and of itself, right? And that could have been a movie. That's and scarring shit. Like when you yes, because it's like I I remember the first time I saw it, and I don't think I saw it in its entirety, but I remembered that bit. So it's like it's one of those movies that when you're a kid, you know, it's kind of like especially when it's memories. It's kind of like a dog. It's like, you've been gone for three hours, but, you know, it's like you just left. You know, with movies, it was that way when I was younger. You spend some time searching for, I remember a specific scene, but you don't have, like, the internet or something to go and look. So it's like the next time someone puts it on and you go, this was it. This was the movie with that scene. And then you watch it again and you're like, oh, this is, do I even want to watch the rest of this thing? This is terrible. (laughs) It's so brutal. And 
I would I would love to have seen um they should have done this in my opinion instead of the remake a prequel movie about Luke's grandma as a young witch hunter. Oh god. That 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 would have been amazing because there's so much they could have like they they alluded to so much of that in the movie but you know they didn't give too much away so that uh that we I I would love to have that eventually um yeah and so that that whole that whole scene oh my god where she was like trapped in the and just that That's whole right. thing is just like it's nightmare fuel and the just my, like just the oh uh, and it's it's just like the concept you know and just where you you know this movie shouldn't be pg when the grandma says you know witches are constantly plotting to kill children she uses yeah. the word kill yeah th- not, and that no, is eliminate that's punish, the big difference you know? yeah, like, between oh. this and hocus pocus yes it, ho- and again hocus pocus they are killing the children I but mean, they're like the we're sucking the essence out you know yeah, they or, say, or 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 we we change you into an immortal cat, you know. Right. Or we and again, it, it's just a little less um, final than like this this movie. No, it's like this is eradication. This is this is full on like fascism right. allegory with which right. you know these these kids. I mean, are although Jews. although they technically <laughs> didn't they didn't uh, kill, you know, like air. I mean, they didn't kill air. Well, I mean, we assuming that was her in the painting. You know, we we oh right. That's that the does, crazy. Yeah. That's the crazy shit. I we think that's that. That's the first time as a kid I realized what a fate worse than death meant. Yes. You know where you're like, oh, th- th- not only not only are they killing, they want to just make your life fucking miserable, right? And not just your life, like you know the the her parents, you know, because her dad. Oh. oh my god, that that. The exp- you know when when Luke's grandma's like he looked like he's seen a ghost like oh she she wasn't kidding and like that I the expression love, on his face is just chilling I love the foreshadowing that all of those stories do in the movie because when you start seeing the witches sniffing around yeah. you know you just you don't need like again I love the reveal of what the witches look like and everything mm-hmm. it's such a good scene. But you yeah. don't need that to know they're dangerous, and that mm-hmm. it's the, the movie does a great job of that. And the movie, and it's all an allegory of you know, child kidnapping and trafficking, basically. And that's yep. the truly frightening aspect of that. There was an article on Bloody Disgusting a few years ago, which kind of touched on this about the movie. I should try to dig it up, but um, yeah, and that and that's what's truly frightening. It's not just you know the supernatural you know, what the witches look like, you know, underneath the wigs and gloves, but it's, it's also, yeah, just, you know, this predatory lens with it. Angelica Houston in this movie as, as the grand high witch and all of her friends, they look like harmless middle-aged to older women. Mm -hmm. That's, and that's such, and and again, I, I don't think this is like, you know, a bunch of male, directors trying to you know make women look terrible well what it is is it's saying that the people that your children could be in danger around could be anyone yes and as as for a parent watching that movie today this movie is horrifying and that's why i say it's a ptsd thing because now i'm a parent looking back at me as a kid and going this fucked me up as a kid because it made me think okay how many of my 
friends' mothers or what about this lady I walked by on the street or what about the lady in the mall when I got separated from my mom that's a little bit too helpful? What if, you know, she's a witch or a somebody that wants to hurt me? Mm-hmm. And um, the the fact that that movie is able to ingrain that, but it's, it's not... The, the movie's not even... Um, it's not exploitative. You know what I mean? It's not that kind of horror. This is like... It's not like there's no political bent on this, you know, or mm-hmm. anything like that. This is just saying, hey, you know, we can take those fears of, you know, what a witch or what something like that could be and build this incredible mythology around it. Mm-hmm. Of like, no, they're still here and they're still operating today. And I also love the idea of we're not going to kill the kids we're going to turn them into something that the other people couldn't help but kill. Right. That's fucked. You know? Oh, again, fate worse than death, you know? Oh, and God, the, 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 the puppet work and the, yeah, this is not, this is not like, for example, I talked about how great the effects work in Hocus Pocus was. And again, the makeup on Doug Jones is actually pretty damn horrifying for a kid's movie. The mm-hmm. cat, the cat getting squished by the truck and reinflating is pretty damn horrifying for a kid's movie, but it's all played with comedic relief. Yeah. This movie, oh, yeah. the witch designs in this look like they could have been in dead alive or bad taste. These could have been in right. NC 17 rated Peter Jackson movies. Yeah. Like, oh, and by, by the way, I don't mean to correct you. Um, the witches actually came out before Dead Alive. Oh, there you go. Awesome. Very, very, very just a couple of, they might have been, depending when it was released in New Zealand. Um, yeah. No, yeah, no, that's like no, by thank a year you. or two. Thank yeah. you. No, it, it just, it's, it's amazing that, because this, again, this is a British production, but this is a big released film. Like everybody saw yeah. this damn movie. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And, and yeah, and you it, mentioned, you mentioned like the, I mean, the effects, you know, Jim Henson was, he, he was uh, a genius. He was, he was, and he, he was a genius. genius. He, he was, I'm going to tear, I always tear up a little bit when I talk about him. He, have, he Stephen, was, have you, have you listened to the episode of Geeks with Shields where I did my pillars of geekdom? Uh, no, I, I did it on Jim Henson. So mm, that's great. You, you and I are both about he, to have a crying fest here. Is he was, <laughs> you know, not only did he die way too soon, he was creative genius, uh, whose birthday I believe should be a fucking national bank and holiday. I agree. Um, he, you know, it's, it's, yeah, you know, he like everything he touched was gold. And the thing that makes me really sad and, you know, I, I've, uh, you know, the, you know, that he, at this, at this time, at this time, you know, which was when he was working so hard and he got sick and died and, um, you know, he was so beside himself that his, the films he directed weren't successful. Yeah. You know, initially labyrinth and dark crystal. And now they're huge. They're huge cult films. And, it's just very sad that he never lived to see that, that he yeah. never, he never lived to see like his, you know, that he, and he was so, I mean, that, that drove him into like a deep depression. 
that they, yeah. they weren't so, successful. So, so speaking of depression and PTSD involving people, yeah. um, Henson died in 91 or 90? I think it was 90. I was six. How old uh-huh. were you? Uh, three, too young to remember. Yeah. No. Oh, my God. So, so that's the thing I talked about in that Pillars of Geekdom because I was talking to two guys who were two or three years old as well. Yeah. And I remember – that's one of my earliest memories of loss. You know, like kids uh, always have – we all have something in our life where it's like the first thing that it really like – where you really realized what mortality was. And I remember pulling up to my grandparents' house and my mother getting out of the car and my grandfather coming up and telling my mother that this had happened. Because this is, you know – this stuff didn't spread over the internet. It spread by word of mouth. And I remember my mom coming in the car and telling me, you know, something really bad happened to Jim Henson. And again, right. the reason I remember this so much at being six is because Muppet Babies, Muppets, Dark Crystal, Labyrinth, these are all things that I saw at Sesame Street were actively still existing and happening. Like, you know, right. literally that morning, I probably watched something that Jim Henson did. You know, so, and I, I remember just sitting there and going, well, what does that mean? You know, and again, I was, I was old enough to know what death was, but it's like no one in my family had died yet. Right. You know, I hadn't been to a funeral at that point in my life. So it's like the Muppet man is dead. Like Kermit the frog is dead. Like that. No, like that can't be like, (laughs) like my, everything in my world, that guy touched everything. Yeah. Including this, including this fucking bug nuts nasty movie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, and oh. you know, um, oh my god, if you ever want to ball your eyes out, there was like that the Muppets remembering Jim Henson special. Oh, oh, oh no. my god, that that and like the video, the vi- oh my god, and I watched it again when Carol Spinney died. That video of Big Bird singing at his do funeral. You, do you know Carol? Saddest fucking Carol thing Spinney. I've ever seen in my life. Carol Spinney is my sister's best friend's uncle. Oh my god. Yeah. And so I've never met Carol Spinney, but my sister had before he died. And uh yeah, the Big Bird's Big Bird's eulogy for Jim Henson is not that. If if you want to teach empathy to someone that doesn't understand empathy, that's oh my god. And again, how is it that everybody Jim Jim Henson was involved in were just such amazing fucking people? Yeah, you know, like and again, not not for nothing. They weren't like these weren't. This wasn't like Walt Disney, you know, and like bureaucratic, you know, businessmen. Yeah. These guys were basically, you know, they didn't come from non-CD backgrounds like Jim Henson and his buddies they're all a bunch of like you know nut bar hippies that just wanted to make kids yeah. stuff and they tried to, you know and they you know? and they tried to paint you know Kevin Clash and that didn't work of course yeah um, no yeah they definitely did oh. but yeah um but no and uh, you know nobody it was not about making money I mean it was just no. yeah it was about art like and the Muppets, the Muppets are art how is yes. it so cool that one of the most successful children's properties of all time Sesame Street and the Muppets are just a bunch of artists trying to make art. That's all yeah. it is. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we sometimes, sometime, no, no, I love it. Uh, sometime we should do a whole episode on follow that bird. 
Oh yeah, yeah. Um, because uh, fuck. Sorry. We should. No, we should. It's like one of my favorite sorry. favorite movies. No, as a me kid. too. Me yeah. too. It's just like and why? why and and, and that, that think movie, about it. And it's so like nobody. It's such a forgotten like film. Like, like it's no, dark. Yeah. Well. Yeah. But like nobody. Like like. Not many people my age remember it, surprisingly, or even oh, know what it was. So, it's it's such a shame. It's so freaking formative. It's a and it's really, it's really aged. Like I rewatched it after Carol Spinney died. I I bought it for cheap and rewatched it. It's it's aged pretty well, considering. What an incredible, big Big Bird is. Big Bird is so goddamn important. Mm-hmm. Because, like, you get a character like Big Bird in something that doesn't understand what Sesame Street was trying to do. Right. And that's going to be comic relief. That's going to be the, this is the underdeveloped child that we make fun of. Or this is the, you know, whatever. Big Bird is, it, it celebrates that type of character the way, like, I hadn't seen until like Drax in the Guardians of the Galaxy movies, you mm-hmm. know, where where you know someone just looked at a character and said, "You can be." I, I don't even want to use the the term developmentally disabled because that's you can be pure, and yeah. still and still be a good person that can do things. <laughs> you know what I yeah. mean? It says. Purity does not mean, and that's again, you know, to a lesser extent, back to like the type of character Sandler was doing in Hubie, we talked about. Instead mm-hmm. of it being like making fun of the guy with the stutter, who's instead it's like, no, this is actually a good person. Like, yeah. why, why do we discredit these good people because they're odd or different in yeah. our eyes? In our eyes. Right. And Big Bird is just so that. And I, I know over the years there's been so, and again, he, he showed up before there was even a name for what Big Bird was necessarily supposed to be, you know? Um, I, n- I never I never thought of Big Bird as that way. I just thought of him as like an innocent yeah, you know, and, and, and six-year-old or whatever. And, that's, and, and I'm not saying this, this is just the way I take him, thinking about him right now. And I think that's what's important is you can amalgamate whatever you want onto it. But for Henson and his guys, they got that about characters. They're like, you know, we don't have to label them. No, but, but Big Bird was so representative, I know, to a lot of people in the autism community, you know, for that, like, you know, this is a guy, you know, he's he's got his own, like, you know, almost like, you know, room that he's built in society separate from everyone, but he's there and everyone respects and loves him, you know, or he's just a six, six-year-old kid with an imaginary friend that's super innocent. You can take it so many different ways. And I just love that Henson and them got that people could be layered. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That, that you're not just, there's no one defining thing that, you know, you can have a bad day. That doesn't mean you're a terrible person. Yeah. <laughs> you, can, you can be innocent and, that, and not that, understand. That's the big difference. Everything you're talking about is the big difference between Sesame Street and Barney and Friends and why Barney and Friends was an awful show. Oh, I completely because, agree. Because it teaches kids that, like, you know, you should you should sweep aside negative emotions and just ignore them. 
I loved all of the stuff that's been coming out with Mr. Rogers recently to remind us how and, much and Mr. Rogers that, as well. Yeah. No, how much yeah. he carried that ideal and why him and Sesame Street were such a matched pair in that yeah. he could look right at the screen and go, Do you know what anger is, kids? It's okay to be angry. Mm-hmm. Does, any, does somebody tell you it's not okay to be angry? It's not okay to be angry and hurt people. But let's talk about that. And it's like, this guy's talking to four and five-year-olds. And he's being more real than their parents, their churches, their priests, their teachers are willing to be. That's crazy. Yeah. And the guy was a fucking minister. And he mm-hmm. still had the balls to be that real with people. I... I yeah, and that, that's what I mean. Henson Henson was in good company, you know what I mean. He he yeah. he found he found a niche, and um, yeah. and I'm really hoping. Uh, uh, it's just so hard. But that's why I loved the the first of those two new Muppet movies. I actually like them both, but that first one. Oh, was it was such it was a great. love letter. It was such a no, love it was letter. Great. Uh, and it got it. it. It felt like Jim Henson was sitting there making that movie. That that that's how I felt about that. But anyway, yeah, back to back to his amazing work in The Witch. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, the you know, the animatronics looked great. I mean, with the exception of maybe the close-ups of like the talking mice, but you know, yeah, whatever. And that's Not... that's just with the time. I mean, God, exactly. right around the same time, the Ninja Turtle stuff that he did, Jesus. Yeah, Christ. which which by the way, and we alluded to that on on you know one of my talk buster episodes, how like you want to see evidence of how like, you know, his, you know, like his work when he was involved, went downhill. The, you know, he did the first two Ninja Turtle movies and there was, and Ninja Turtles the and third. Third. Like, Oh my God. Oh my God. Which, which I don't know if that movie is as like terrible as people make it out it's to not, be. It's not but that movie. That it, movie's as good as the cartoon. Yes. And, and it's just the, the first two, the first one, especially, is great. Yeah. The, is, fir- I think- the first, the first Ninja Turtles movie could be the, one of the best comic book adaptations ever made that people won't, people won't, people have a hard time giving it that because look at how many great comic book adaptations we've had since. But at the time, no one was doing that. Yeah. You know, well, I mean, I mean, before, before kind of, I mean, for sure, before like the, the uh, first Spider-Man movies. I'd say. Well, right. I mean, you had you had Superman, the Superman franchise, which was fine. I would I would almost argue that the Rocky franchise is not a comic book adaptation, but they might as well be. Like that's the type of movies they are after the first one, and that's not a negative thing. That's just saying. Right. Um. But uh, you know, you got Superman one and two, but Ninja Turtles came out and was like, hey, it, it's kind of like we're talking with with this movie, The Witches. Leave out the fact that you're adapting a thing that's supposed to be for kids. Now, the Eastman and Laird comic was not for children, but the show was. Um, the Eastman and Laird comic was basically Spawn. It was fucking nasty. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, the Ninja Turtles movie was a fucking drama. Yeah. It's a goddamn drama that happens to have talking turtles in it. Mm-hmm. Like, and that movie's great. And, uh, yeah, and the work, God, the work the Henson Company did on those costumes... Yeah, they they don't look like you look at them for thirty seconds. You they're not animatrons anymore. They're just there. Yeah, you know. <laughs> but yeah, the stuff here, you like you said, the close up on the mice. But at the same time, the fact that they were full on like animatronic mice puppets is still goddamn amazing. 
and today it's all CGI. Like in the the new one, it's all That's, CGI. And I, and I hope I hope after seeing it that there's something to be said because Zemeckis is a great director. Mm-hmm. Zemeckis has had missteps, but Zemeckis is a great director. I mean, this gentleman brought us back to the future. There, yeah. there he, but there's just nothing. It doesn't look different enough to need to exist from the trailer. And that makes me sad because mm-hmm. I like everybody involved. I they just said it. They said it in like the South this time in the sixties. Yeah. And I don't like like the look of the witches. Like, and, and I love, um, uh, what, what's her face? Um, she's wonderful. Anne Hathaway. Anne Hathaway. You know, yeah. she's, she is one of the best working actors right now, but mm-hmm. I mean, do I need Anne Hathaway, um, you know, chewing scenery, but then with bad CGI, I, I don't know if I need that, you know, <laughs> yeah, just me. I mean, um, but yeah. And, um, uh, yeah, the, the witches to me is just, and it's not, and the tent, and then you have, you know, the added tension of just like, not just the witches themselves, but the, the plot to, you know, drop the potion in the soup and that whole, like, Oh my God, that's, and then, you know, speaking of, you know, like, PG, you have when he gets his tail cut off, like gee, like like when I saw it as a kid, I'm like, oh, like, I literally screamed as a kid. I'm like, oh my god, yeah, because yeah. the as a kid, there's, there's expect, always a sense of danger. You expect constant that sense stuff of danger. To cut away. You expect yes. it to cut away, and it doesn't. Yeah, and that's that that that's what I mean. It was never the movie's not graphic necessarily. It just doesn't cut away where kids' movies normally would. And it doesn't mm-hmm. shy away from the fact that the predators are killing kids. Yeah. Like, that's, that's, that's the things that I think make, um, make it so damn messed up. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, you know, that, you know, and at the same time, you know, I'm, and I'm, I'm grateful. I'm very grateful that, you know, this movie, you know, it's like, you know, things that, like, you know, some people would think, you know, we'd be mad that these traumatized us as kids, but no, it's like, you know, they, you know, it's, it's about, you know, informing you artistically. And you, made, you made the Jim Henson Barney allegory, the Sesame Street Barney allegory. And I think it's yeah. perfect here. Not, not in the comparison of this to Hocus Pocus necessarily, mm-hmm. but in the comparison of this movie to other films like it, in that this movie does not treat the kids like they're too dumb to no. to to be taking real world things seriously, the witches exist even though there's witches in it. The witches, right. you know, witches that are you know not like the real world witches we actually have, um, but witches as villain, demon, evil character. Outside of that, this movie exists in the real world. Yeah, and so right. people die and they die. Like <laughs> that's <laughs> exactly it, you know, and, and roll doll in general that was like the epitome of his work. Yeah. I felt like was, you know, that, yeah, you know, kids, they're not, they're not helpless. You know, they're, they're very, they're very smart. They, you know, can be brave. You know, they, they figure things out and get things done. And And I I love, I love any movie where you have the wise older character that (laughs) under that, that like when you get the revelation that no, I've battled these people before. Yeah. And my intervention will actually make this work w- less of a chance of it succeeding for you. 
Right. I I love that. I love that trope in heroes journey movies anyway. But when you yeah. do it with kids, it's so empowering for like a ten year old to watch that and have a character go, "No, you can solve this shit." Yeah. You know, and, and it's going to be hard, and you might die, but you can solve this shit. Right. You know, and and I love a story like that. You know? Another example probably was like um uh another artist that did a lot of them and of that in their work was uh don bluth oh and you've heard what's going on with don bluth right no (laughs) get ready strap in this is a good uh thing this is a good thing oh don bluth and again i don't know where he's getting the money or i mean he's older so where where he thinks in his age that he's going to be able to pull this off right he is opening up a 2D animation studio today in this world to directly combat Pixar and Disney. Oh my God. I have no idea if it's going to work. Well, but he's basically saying, Hey, with every other company trying to do what Disney and Pixar can do in their sleep better than them, you know, and some succeed, you know, you've got like blue sky and illumination and all of them that succeed. They're not quite as good, but they succeed. Yeah. He's saying what Disney isn't doing anymore is 2d animation. So I'm going to freaking monopolize that entire bit and just jump right back. And and that's what Bluth was trying. I mean, Bluth was a, you know, 20 year veteran Disney animator who then started coming out with still, I would put the secret of Nim and um what was that and fi- an american tale american up tale. against up against the works of Miyazaki as like mm-hmm. an example of and again i think Miyazaki is a better animator but i love don bluth and don yeah. bluth don bluth in the 70s 80s and 90s was doing what disney could not do making gorgeous pieces of art out of 2d animation disney right. was making workhorse movies that were you know but bluth there there's sequences in the secret of nim that look so freaking stunning today <laughs> you know and 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 bluth and again you know that look came from the work he was doing with disney um i i just can't wait if he really does do this if he pulls a you know, you know, fourth quarter, 11th hour, hey, watch this. I'm going to do a 2D hand-drawn animated movie again, and it's going to eat Disney's lunch. I will I will be amazed, and it, it would just be a wonderful thing to see. Yeah, indeed. But yeah, you're right. Don Bluth, Don Bluth was making movies that felt a lot like The Witches. You're right. Yeah. That didn't talk down. That didn't did they had they had the balls to not be simple. Right. I think uh, Roger Ebert, I believe he was the one who or no, it was it was uh actually no, it, it was Don Bluth who said kids can handle anything as long as there's a happy ending. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it was amazing when all of them came together to work on Roger Rabbit. Because God, that tapped everyone. That tapped Bluth. That tapped a bunch of Disney animators. Yeah, That's, it was crazy. I'm, I'm, I'm still waiting on another. Oh my God, just freaking get it together, Zemeckis. Just make, just make it already. Make. I that, would have rather have another... seen another Roger Rabbit than a remake of The Witches. 
Yeah. And it's like that, that cinematic universe is just massive that they could yeah. do with that. Yeah. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. I agree. I, I'd be really sad without Bob Hoskins. Hey, yeah. we, don't, we, we don't usually get to do this um, because topical, but I will say in the middle of recording the day we recorded this, we lost Sean Connery. So yeah, we could say, you know, rest in peace to James mm-hmm. Bond and, yeah. to, and to Dr. Henry Jones. Then I'm just going to cry again. But, yeah. But uh, no, yeah, all, all I got to say, I never saw, I've never seen League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. I don't plan to. Um, I, I almost did when I was on a church trip in Atlanta. We you were know, deciding between that and Pirates of the Caribbean. I think we made the right decision. You, you and did, all I got to say. did make the right decision. I'll tell you that. All I'm going to say, all I'm going to say is a movie has to suck if it makes Sean Connery retire. <laughs> yes, this is fair. I, I will say this. I, and again, this could be the nostalgia vision. I've never fully understood what people hate so much about the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Mm. I will say this. It's not good. But there are a ton of movies just like it that are not good, and none of them are as much fun. The League yeah. of Extraordinary Gentlemen is an absolute fucking blast of a movie. It is not good. <laughs> it, and, and I'll say that with like full confidence. It's not good. But, right. but him and the cast are having so much fun, and the movie is so bug nuts crazy. It's like one of the lesser Pirates of the Caribbean sequels is like the way that I, but it is not like, you know, this giant piece of cinematic trash that a lot of people make it out to be. It it adapts a comic that's really very well beloved. So I I think that's where it gets a lot of its hate from. Gotcha. Yeah. And again, maybe I'll go back and watch it and decide differently. But I remember seeing it in the theater and going, why did everyone hate this so much? Like, mm. I had a lot of fun with this. But Connery, you can tell, is like the one person that's just like, I could be doing so much more than this. Right. But hey, so, so um, you know, un- under the guise of of um, not not being up forever, even though we did get that extra hour, what a – do you, keep, keep going on the witches. Do you have – yeah. Outside, of, outside of the fact that it's brutal with a capital B. Yeah, I mean, but like I said, you know, there there is a happy ending, thankfully. And you know, I I you know, I, I know Roald Dahl hated hated the ending. He did. I don't I don't really see how it was. There's only the one, and I I don't know if I should reveal the ending um, to the book because Jesse has not read the book or seen the new movie, and I, I hear I have not seen the new version yet but i hear the ending is like the same as it is in the book oh um, that, okay okay yeah but it, but it really and i thought that i thought that the change was really minimal i thought i mean I, the, I the, agree. The, the ending in the book was was happy or at least to the boy it was happy yeah you know it is it is a very minor change but yeah. Ro- but Roald Dahl kind of got pissy about shit like that. Like you got to remember, this is the guy who also wrote the screenplay for the origin for the Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory movie. Yeah, and, and then imme- yeah. and then immediately denounced that movie, even though yeah. he wrote the damn script. So I don't. Right. <laughs> I mean, I- I'm 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 sorry if if Gene Wilder understood that your character was a fucking creep and played him that way. You know, <laughs> I wonder. I wonder what he would have thought of uh, Matilda. I what think thought of that. I think Matilda 
is probably the most perfectly rolled doll movie that I agree. exists. And again, while still being a great movie, because you you could directly adapt Roald Dahl and have it not be right. Matilda and James and the Giant Peach are both very close to like yeah. to, to Roald Dahl. But God, Matilda is so good. It takes someone like Danny DeVito, who just somehow is just an incredible fucking director. I, right. I don't know. I mean, I love Danny DeVito, but like he's not the person you think of when you think of this guy can... This guy can just churn out a fucking great movie, but you go back and look oh, and you absolutely. go, everything yeah. he makes is great. <laughs> <laughs> Death to Smoochie included. I love that movie so much. I've, I've never seen that movie. Oh, it's wonderful. <laughs> it's so good. One of Robin Williams' very best performances, in my opinion. Mm. It, it has, it has, and this doesn't blow anything about the movie, but it has the delivery. Just picture Robin Williams delivering this line. Sir, are you okay? He looks right at him. Well, I'm pretty fucked up as it is time to time, so it's kind of hard to gauge. And the delivery is just so goddamn perfect. <laughs> and and it, God, it, the movie is really dark. It is the darkest of dark comedies. Um, and he is just incredible in it. I don't know how they got away with making it because there's lots of child endangerment involved in this movie, mm-hmm. <laughs> including Robin Williams holding cookies shaped like penises and kids' faces going, it's not a rocket ship, it's a fucking dick, a cock. <laughs> like, like, oh my God, <laughs> like, what, the, what is happening here? <laughs> but um, God, he, he had so much fun. You know, and again, it's, like, it's kind of like Armageddon and Deep Impact. You can't really compare these two movies. No, I think I that. think the basis for comparison is if, if a parent were to listen to this, mm-hmm. and, I, and I'm so sorry, I just talked about rocket ship cocks. Um, but if, <laughs> but if but if a parent well, were be an to adult, listen, presumably yes, but if, 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 if a <laughs> parent if a parent were to listen to this, it, so as as a fighting film thing, as far mm-hmm. as films go, the witches eat hocus pocus as lunch all goddamn day. Yes. Um, as a film, but if this was 1993 and you had a child of 1993 and we're going to say which one of these movies would you show, and this is not me making some like millennial tirade, I hate that crap, mm-hmm. but I will say the world is a lot more sensitive to things now that might be too too hard for a child. So if, you, so if you're a parent that wanted to know hey, which one of these two movies, if I wanted to like show my kids a movie with witches in it, would I show them? You're probably going to have less nightmares if you show them Hocus Pocus. Yeah. And Hocus Pocus is a perfectly fine, fun movie to sit down with a family and watch. But if your kid, you know, has been watching some more gnarly horror movies and stuff, and, you know, you're a, you're a geeky parent that, like, probably has shown them the Monster Squad and you know, the repertoire of Tim Burton that aren't the R-rated ones, you know, and mm-hmm. stuff like that, you got to show them The Witches. Because The Witches is... The Witches is the kind of movie you can show a 50-year-old and show a 6-year-old, and it's going to scare both of them the same amount. Right. Without, and you mentioned, you know, the R-rated Tim Burton. I'd say... I think Sleepy Hollow is pretty appropriate for, like, 11 and up. Yeah. No, personally. Sleepy, 
Sleepy Hollow did an amazing job at being R, but not being R in an offensive way. It was it's, R it's in just a, very, it's a very mild R. In it's, my opinion. It's, it's just violent. It, it, it's and the, violent. The, the blood is not real. Yeah. It's just, yeah, it's just violent and scary. That's the thing yeah. I loved about Sleepy Hollow is Sleepy Hollow. It's kind of like, I feel like if Sleepy Hollow had got released a couple of years later, it would have gotten the ring PG 13. Cause the cause the yeah. ring the ring is another one that movie's scary as hell but there's mm-hmm. nothing really all that graphic in it and there's right. no bad language so I I get it that like thematically but oh yeah but you you definitely don't want to show your kids Sweeney Todd is is what I'm getting at. oh well no 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 no, no. <laughs> but but if they've seen Batman they mm-hmm. can definitely handle the witches because Batman is. Batman is actually pretty much a horror movie when you really get down At to least, it. At uh, least Batman and Ro- or um, <laughs> Batman, well, not Batman and Robin, but uh, Batman Returns, I think, is a horror movie. Cool, exactly. Um, Especially, but but I am I am realizing that it, that it is getting late. So that, that's that's my stipulation. Is I think if we were going to fight these films, um, the witches comes up on top all day long. But mm-hmm. unlike unlike with Armageddon and Deep Impact, which Armageddon is one of Michael Bay's best films, even though going into it, I thought it wasn't going to hold up all that well. Mm-hmm. Um, these films are a far different breed, but they do fall into the horror-ish category that is okay for kids. So it's still, I mean, The Witches is just a way better movie, and, and I don't That's have any good. other way around it. Absolutely, yeah, for sure. Um, do you do you have any? Do you agree? I I don't. I want to give you a final I, say on it too. I mean, I agree with that completely. You know, there, and I I always think better best is very a very subjective term. Obviously, yeah, I don't think you can go wrong with either of these. I just no. think you know, if if you want to laugh, you go with Hocus Pocus. Yeah. If if you want a, because f- the witches is fun. Don't get the the witches is a romp. It it it's fantasy. You know what I mean? It, there, there's some fun to be had in there. The kids get turned into mice. They run through the ducts. You know they. But at the end of the day, they're still gonna die, <laughs> and that's way more intense than what's going on in Hocus Pocus, in my opinion. What's what's you know? Yeah, they're gonna take their essence. But what's really the big set piece of Hocus Pocus? Eh, Bette Midler gets on stage and sings a song and possesses the parents. Oh, all mm-hmm. right, well it's fun. But yeah, um, so, so if, if you're good, I'm going to say that I'm, one, happy that after a week of time, we finally got to record this. Number Absolutely. One. Number two, I'm going to say happy Halloween to you and happy listeners. Halloween. And three, Stefan, I want to give you the opportunity to pitch anything, give a shout out to anybody or anything that you uh, that you want to. Yeah, um, I want to say uh, thank you, Jess, for this recommendation. Um, and uh, yeah, you can find me on Scream Forever One on Twitter. I follow everything that Chris the Chippa does, and um, you can find me this month, uh, special or well, this past month now, um, on Diva Dailies. I did uh, Halloween episodes on. We covered the original Halloween from 1978, uh, Scream, and Jennifer's Body. The latter so, two are two of so my favorite good. movies. Yeah, I know. And um, and then the first week of November, uh, which is the day after the election, so hopefully we'll have good news. You know, I'm you know I'm 
cautiously optimistic, but was that way in 2016 as well. And, you know, you heard about the whole, they stopped the, the Biden rally in Texas. I did see that. Oh my God. That's like, that's like freaks me out. What's going to happen. You know, assuming he loses, um, did I drove you, did there. You see, did you see the other video that went around right near that? I don't think so. So I don't know. It wasn't in Texas. And I know it was in Texas. It was in a very predominantly black community in Texas uh-huh. where, where, where a Trump rally came through um, to uh, on uh, basically to intimidate people standing in line to vote is uh-huh. why they were there. And this Trump group got a police escort to come through. And, you know, it's big pickup trucks with the Trump thing and the Blue Lives Matter flags. But the townspeople standing in line just surrounded them, weren't violent. Just surround them. Like, what are you doing here? Like, go away. Like, this is not yeah. this is not your town. Go away. And I got to give credit. The, the police didn't push the people away. They just took the cars and kind of waved and goes, you're going to want to turn around and go that way. And, like, redirected them away. It was a wonderful human shield, and it worked. And yep. I, I was really impressed yep. to see that. Because that's the worst thing. I, I, and, you know, I, I get it. We're on, we're, we're on a particular side of it. I believe we're on the right side. I think any side that isn't fascist is the right side, in my opinion. Right. Some people don't see it that way. Mm-hmm. I don't think I don't think of that as being a difference in opinion. But you know what? Maybe I have some weird goggles on that make me interpret the world differently. But I do know that no matter who's doing it, voter suppression is terrible and it's illegal. And mm-hmm. <laughs> you should not be doing it. <laughs> and that's, oh God. But I know. And uh, there was a rally by the uh, state fairgrounds here. Um, you should, yeah. When when we're functioning again, if we have if we have a functioning state fair next year, you should come to the Minnesota State oh, Fair. I love state fairs so much. Oh, come come to ours. It's amazing. Um, they were rallying there. There was the the Biden camp on one side. I drove the Trump side. I chucked an empty uh, milkshake uh, thing at the. You're doing. <laughs> I you're, did you're, you're, you're doing the supreme beings work whatever they it was, are it, it was empty it was empty i chucked it at them just like you know you're 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 literal trash cool man well yeah no and and i'm hoping you know maybe maybe i'll have this episode out before we have those results but if i don't and it's after i hope it worked out the way that we wanted and yep. if it does not i just want to say to everybody that this show will always be an ally for you um <laughs> And so, uh, if, if it goes that way, this is just a, another gorilla feed making its way out through all the fascist bullshit. Yep. <laughs> but yeah, so I'm, I'm going to say, dude, then thank you, um, for concluding our first official episode of fighting films and mm-hmm. thank, thank you for shooting the shit with Chippa. Thank you for being a great friend. Um, and we'll talk to you soon, bud. Thank you, Chris.